Always safe, high value and low carbon is the core or strategy. We have reset our cost base and transformed our opportunity set. We are value driven and we strive for a culture of continuous improvement. Our suppliers continue to play an important part in this journey. Today, I'll be talking to Paul Eitrem, Chief Procurement Officer in Statoil. I'm Hans-Jakob Hegge, the Chief Financial Officer in Statoil, and this is the CFO podcast, Behind Our Numbers. Welcome, Paul. Thank you. It's good to be here. So, um, safety is our priority number one, and safety is also a fundamental part of the relationship with our suppliers. The, absolutely, and I, I think that uh, if you look at the totality of what Statel does every day, a lot of that activity is actually done by our uh, suppliers. So they are critical. If our suppliers don't deliver, we don't deliver. And we've been through a quite a remarkable uh, journey, and a uh, very important part of this is uh, our campaign, I am safety. And uh, what are your personal I am safety goal, uh, Paul? So for me, it has been important this year that uh, I took on a new job in the beginning of the year. It was a new business area for me. It was a new uh, area of responsibility. So my biggest uh, I am safety commitment has been to uh, understand the risk in uh, in the area that I am responsible for. Where do we impact uh, safety? Uh, what uh, type of levers do I have to influence the safety performance of Statoil, but also our uh, suppliers? So that has been front and center of my agenda. So. Um how can we support and guide our suppliers to become even better in safety? In, in Statoil, safety is, uh, is a threshold. Uh, and if you don't qualify on the safety side, you are not going to be a supplier for, uh, for Statoil. And we spend quite a bit of effort and resources to make sure that the suppliers we bring on board, they meet the standards that we uh, require. So in, in Statoil, this is a non-negotiable. That is our uh, starting point. Then I also think it's important that uh, in many cases, our suppliers are actually better performers than Statoil. So there is quite a bit we can learn from the suppliers. If you look at the statistics, it shows that we still have a way to go to be among the best of, uh, of the supplier uh, companies. And then I think it's important that we work with them, that we uh, identify the areas where we can improve and that we collaborate around joint improvement goals uh, in the work that we, uh, we do. And then I think it is, uh, it's important that we don't make safety an area of uh, where we put our suppliers to compete. We want our suppliers to share and we want them to learn from each other. And, and uh, this is not an area where we focus on the competitiveness of, uh, of our activity. Very important uh, comments on, on learning there, Paul. And, and safety and efficiency goes hand in hand. And now we cover our dividend and investments at uh, $50, so we are improving. We are definitely improving, and as a shareholder, I'm very relieved to hear that we are doing well. Uh, and I also think the scale of the, uh, of the uh, supplier market or the supplier activity in Statoil is quite massive. Uh, I think in 2016, we spent more than 150 billion Norwegian uh, kroner uh, for different types of uh, activities across Statoil. And two thirds of that came even from Norwegian suppliers or suppliers with a billing address in, in Norway. So the numbers are quite massive. During the summer, we, we also saw the record high project activity. How can you describe this to a couple of examples? So we spend, uh, if you look at the total spend of Statoil, we spend around 400 million Norwegian kroner every day on, uh, on our uh, suppliers. 
more than 250 million of that is uh, to, to Norwegian or Norwegian registered uh, companies. If you make it even more tangible, if you look at the Gina Krog project that we started up earlier this year, we uh, the revenues from one day of Gina Krog uh, production that pays for running two Norwegian schools for a full year. So the numbers are just uh, just enormous. But if you one thing are the numbers and it, they are so big that it's sometimes difficult to get a feel for them. But uh, what really intrigues me is when I move around and I visit the sites where we have activities. So I've been to. Uh, Rosenberg in Stavanger and seeing how they are building the flare stacks on uh, on Johan Sverdrup. They are just massive lying there. Uh, I've been to Stord and seen Johan Sverdrup, uh, the living quarters. Uh, I've seen Njord and Highwind and Osterhansten. And uh, we talk about uh, the north and that activity is moving further north. In Sonnesjøen they are doing uh, the templates for uh, Snefrid uh, north. Uh, that type of activity is a very tangible proof of, uh, of what our activity means to local communities as well. And this is also about managing expectations. Uh, I think I, as, as the former regional manager in the north, I, I have some experience and so have you from, from Brazil. So how do you describe the ripple effects and, um, and, and uh, the impact of, of Statoil? Uh, you have given some examples. I think local content and local expectations, they're as high in Rio as they are in Rogaland and in Horsta and in Hammerfest. We, we see this uh, all over. If you look at Norway, and uh, I don't think this is a uniquely Norwegian thing, this is, uh, this is something we meet also in our international division. We have 180,000 people employed in the Norwegian oil and gas industry in, in some shape or, uh, or form. Uh, and Statel is a cornerstone of many communities along the, uh, along the coast. Um, and I think it shows the impact we have and also responsibility we have. And the way that we have developed Norwegian industry over uh, 50 years now, uh, with a strong engineering hub in Oslo, research and, uh, uh, and development in Trondheim, in the middle of the forest in Konsberg, uh, subsea in automation, etc. These are ripple effects that are quite enormous. And the good thing about it is that they are not only supplying the Norwegian market, they are also globally competitive. That also makes them less vulnerable with the volatility that we have in our industry, that they actually have a significant chunk of their revenues from, uh, from exporting. Uh, I think some uh, of the petroleum provinces that are vulnerable are vulnerable because they are not diverse and they are so dependent on their uh, home market. That was one of the challenges that I experienced in Brazil, for example. Very important uh, aspects there, Paul. And we create a lot of excitement, I think, in these local communities through the activity. And, um, uh, but we also get criticized. And one area that we get criticized for is using Korean or Asian yards. Um, how should we meet these kind of arguments, uh, Paul? So there is a report published in Norway recently that has triggered quite a lot of uh, debate. We've actually not been able to access the report because it's, uh, being, uh, it's being marketed, but it basically costs too much. So we haven't seen the report, but based on the public, uh, public information that is uh, available, I would say that it doesn't represent the experience that we have had in the, uh, in the Asian yards where we have uh, been. And I, I think it's fair to say, and this is a personal view, that it's quite unbalanced uh, in terms of assessing uh, the totality uh, of it. There's always more nuance to these media things than, than what, you, uh, what you sometimes uh, think. Our experience in Asia is uh, overall quite good. Um, the quality of the top sites that we have built in Asia is, uh, is good. And uh, the actual cost is within the, uh, 
the range of uncertainty that we indicated to uh, to Norwegian uh, authorities when we we sanctioned them. I also want to add that the execution of Johan Sverdrup, for instance, that is going on as we speak, that is going very well. Mm. Uh, having said that, it's also a fact of the matter that we are uh, we have been delayed on uh, on some of our uh, projects, but that was not only due to the Asian yards. It was a lot of the engineering that was delayed from European engineering uh, houses. And then it's not these issues are not black and white. And if you look at the totality of the projects we have done, uh, 55% of the uh, equipment packages for these projects were actually delivered by Norwegian suppliers. So it's not either or, it's actually uh, it's both in, in this particular case. So another area we've been criticized for historically is that we are not always been the good listeners um, dealing with suppliers. So how are you to change that, uh, Paul? I think we have, uh, you know, at our on our worst days, I think we are not good listeners. I think we can be perceived as slightly arrogant. Uh, and I think that is actually the worst combination you can have. That is, if you are big, you are perceived as arrogant and or inaccessible. I think that's the worst combination you can, can have. Uh, we've taken some initiatives across that alone on this because we recognize that this is an area where we can uh, improve. And I have... Um, initiated a project in my unit now, working with uh, DPN and TPD, where the aim is to uh, improve our culture and our leadership around this area. And if you're going to change a culture, it takes quite a bit of training. Uh, we need to assess how are we seen, uh, what are the issues that we need to address, and how do we address them. That does not guarantee that we're not going to have uh, bad press or uh, media or suppliers that uh, are not uh, happy with us, because it's also a fact that for every contract we award, there are uh, there is one winner and there are several losers. Mm. And clearly that type of disappointment we would just have to, to manage. But in general, I think we need to be much more aware of uh, how we are approaching uh, suppliers, particularly in a period now when a lot of them feel that they are still not over the, um, the challenges and the downturn and they are still struggling with uh, with activity levels and uh, many of them have actually had to let people go which is uh, not something that uh, anybody likes to do but I think it has been uh, required to get out of the crisis that we have uh, have been so we, we are working on it uh, Hans-Jakob and I think it's an area we have to take seriously. But uh, this fall uh, you and other senior leaders in Stottel have met with more than 700 participants at supplier days in Stavanger, Bergen and Oslo so you have taken measures and uh, uh, what would be the key takeaways from these events? I've only been in this role for eight months. So I don't have a comparison. But what, what we are told is that we are improving in this area. Uh, we are more accessible. I, I think we're getting feedback that we have become better listeners. We are more open to ideas from the outside. My, my personal reflection is uh, twofold. It's, uh, I get quite humble at these events. Uh, Partly because I see how dependent we are on the uh, the broader cluster uh, around us, but also uh, because I see how important the choices and decisions we make are for both companies and communities and, and even uh, individuals. And then secondly, there is, uh, so with humility, it's also uh, inspiration. Uh, there is a lot of good ideas out there, uh, a lot of companies who want to help us, who share the ambitions and, and goals that, uh, that we have. And that, I think, is, uh, is really important. And especially this year, when we've been through such a tough period, it was good to see that nobody is challenging the uh, efforts and improvement efforts that we have done together over the last few years. 
there is a recognition that that was necessary and that the industry was on an unsustainable uh, path. Uh, and I also think it was uh, clear to everybody that this is not something Statoil has done alone. There has been a tremendous uh, effort taken by our suppliers to actually bring us to to where we uh, we are. And that is, uh, so I, I think it was, um, in, in total, I, I think the supplier days brings us closer uh, and it also gives us an, uh, an opportunity to share direction and where we're heading. And it gives the suppliers the ability to both challenge us uh, and also give us uh, feedback and help us improve. Just a few words on where we are. I mean, Stotter's operating costs are now at a 10 year low and the regularity at our installations is record high. And in front of us, we have a, a future fit portfolio, I would say, with a break even average on $27 uh, per barrel. And um, the importance of us continuing to sanction projects through the downturn is really standing out as a counter-cyclical move in the industry and the suppliers has been part of this journey. So going forward, um, some people to, uh, talk about the light in the tunnel, uh, but there is more to gain, right? There's absolutely more to gain. and. I think it's uh, important not only to look back, but to look forward. Um, and uh, the uh, the benchmarks that we are working off show that there is more potential. And uh, if we look back and look forward at the same time, if we use the year 2000 as a benchmark, we still have uh, significant gaps to, to close. So that ambition is uh, is definitely there. But in what area? Is it, is it the bureaucracy or is it the requirements or is it um, the accessibility or is it all? No, I, I think it's a lot around what we have been working around simplification, standardization and industrialization. And I, I also think I would add a, a second I and that is innovation. I think within those four words, you actually have a framework for where we need to, to improve. And that, that applies with uh, the area that I'm responsible for as well. I, I think we are uh, still too process focused. I, I still think we are uh, too slow in many of the things we do. And I think we could reuse more. I think too often we start from scratch instead of trying to do things uh, differently and copy paste what we have been doing in the past. And what I have seen is that when we really have to, we are able to deliver. So we can actually do a rig procurement in six weeks. So why shouldn't we be doing it around that range every single time? Mm. That is probably not possible, but I, I think the potential is shown by the performance that we, that we see. Mm. Then I just want to pick up on one point you mentioned on counter-cyclicality because that is one of the things that I think has been really, really important through this period, that we have been sanctioning projects. Mm. Drilling well has been drilling more wells with 10 fewer rigs than what they used to. And that effort that we've done together with our suppliers has enabled us to, to actually increase activity and sanction projects. So it's been tremendously important. And not to mention that we've... Uh, bought assets during the downturn, world-class assets that will be the future of Stadol in Brazil and other places, which I think is really, really important. When I meet with investors, they're often eager to learn more about how we make our improvements stick. Uh, but this is not a Stadol-specific challenge, Paul. No, it isn't. And I've talked to uh, peers in other oil and gas companies, and they are uh, fighting the same, uh, the same uh, issues. And I, I think if we, if we fail to continue improving, fail to continue simplifying and looking at the way we, we work, we will be much more vulnerable to, uh, to uh, markets recovering and uh, forces of supply and, and demand. So I, I think that journey definitely has to, um, to continue. And I, I think that if you look at the examples uh, in, in Statel over the last uh, couple of years in terms of what we can do and do differently with good results, 
Um, we've seen one of the troll projects, for instance, taking all the learnings from Johan Sverdrup and reducing the documentation by 70 to 80 percent. Great. And reduce, yeah, it is great. And reducing cost of equipment by 15 to 20 percent by just by the way that we are working these things. At uh, Njord uh, is another example. They have been buying uh, f- marine fresh water maker at uh, one ninth of the cost of uh, what it would have cost if we did it the traditional way. So I think the way that the TPD and DPN and the business areas are addressing us this now is uh, definitely the way to, to go. But I, there's more to do. Uh, in my area, we need to work on lead times. I think that we can bring the average down quite significantly. That will free up resources. It will be a cheaper way of, uh, of doing it. That's definitely the way to go. And collaboration is a key word, uh, Paul. Before we round off, what does it mean to you and, and where do you see the most important contributions on collaboration going forward? I think that uh, the, there is a triangle here that is working together. It's uh, collaboration, it's lean and it's digitalization. These are kind of three uh, interrelated, uh, interrelated uh, topics. Uh, I think digital tools gives us a very different uh, possibility to drive uh, joint performance management with our suppliers. We can actually look at the data on a live uh, basis instead of having quarterly reports where we are looking in the rear view mirror. There is uh, quite a bit of um, possibility in terms of uh, involving our suppliers earlier and collaborating on the development of, uh, of concepts and, and also contract uh, formats. And I, mm. in my area, that's one of the things that I call commercial innovation. Mm. How can we establish business models, contract models, compensation formats, which are uh, more driving us towards uh, the same goals and that we share the benefits of a good uh, delivery. I think that is part of our, our future. I also think that we need to look at what are the changes that are taking place around us. And what we see is that uh, you get bigger players, you see consolidation, they have a broader span of products that they can offer. That will obviously also influence the way that we are working with these uh, different uh, companies. So that's uh, two areas. And then I think there is a set of new issues that are arising that we need to attack jointly with our suppliers. Human rights in the supply chain is emerging as a, as a major issue and it's definitely one that we are not going to be able to, uh, to solve alone. And the second example is uh, climate and low carbon. Uh, that is also an, an, um, a challenge that we have to attack jointly. It's not something that Statoil is going to resolve by ourselves. A lot of important topics there and uh, this podcast is soon to, to come to an end. So before we close, Paul, um, are you having fun? I'm having a lot of fun every day. <laughs> Great. <laughs> Great. Uh, and thank you, Paul, uh, for coming to my studio. It's been a pleasure talking to you. Thank you for inviting me.